You are listening to Joe Radio. Radio. Listen, advertise, share. Good day. I am JC Vibes. Thank you, Righteous Reds. Excuse. You're welcome, Alright, so as usual, we have a great program for you all uh, today. And today we are going to be discussing parenting. And um, Righteous Reds is going to give you some information in a short short. Um, we also have, of course, great music coming up later in the program. And we're going to give you, as always, our contact information. Um, Righteous Reds will give you all that as well. So, um, righteous, we're talking parenting today, right? Um, what would you have to say? What is your take and, and your views on disciplining children? some more information uh, on parenting right after this song. Stay tuned people, it's Joe Radio. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go! You in your car, you at the house, on your job, be encouraged, boo. Come on. I've been down so long, 
good to us. <laughs> you brought us from a mighty long way. That's why we love you. Come on. Just want to remind you to get interactive on Joe Radio. Uh, we are encouraging you to send in your uh, voice notes, you know, your highs, your hellos, your birthday greetings, and all of that. If you would like to be a guest on Joe Radio, you can also contact us. We'll give you the contact information in a short short. Uh, you know, if you want to advertise on Joe Radio, you can contact us as well. We'll work out the details. You want to do a show on Joe Radio, you want to have a segment um, in, in the program, you know, any of that, just contact us and you can do so uh, by simply calling or WhatsApping 868-473-0550. That's 868-473-0550. You can also call or WhatsApp. 460 5510 that's 
5510. And if you're not on WhatsApp, you can email us at joradio00 at gmail.com. That's joradio00 at gmail.com. All right, so if you are on WhatsApp, you can send in your voice notes, um, you know, all of that. You can even, if you want to do a segment, um, we can, and we, we, you know, we have different ways we can do it. So we can work out the details when you contact us. All right, so let's get back to the program. to get your kids to stop throwing tantrums. Brightside has good news for you. You can stop your kids from whining, begging, and going wild for no particular reason. If you follow some tips from experts in education and trusted parenting sources. We should know our enemy well enough to defeat it. In this case, temper tantrums are the enemy. They are very common in kids aged one to four. More than half of kids let their frustration out at least once a week, or more often. Why do they do it? They can whine to get a new toy, an extra candy, or some other unhealthy snack. Or maybe they just want your attention or are testing limits. Yes, they have no idea what limits are, but they can still figure out that crying loudly can bring them a treat, so why not do it? By the time they turn three or four, kids have much better language skills than babies, of course, but their vocabulary is still not advanced enough to describe everything they feel. So what can you do to prevent your kids from going crazy now and then? Here is a list. Number 10, make your child feel comfortable. As we already know, kids often whine for a reason, and you can neutralize that reason. Before going out shopping or wherever you have to go with your little one, make sure they are prepared for it, which means they had enough sleep, enough food, and you have everything they might need with you. It won't hurt to take a toy to the grocery store, and it might save your child from begging for another one. If you are going out for a longer time, take their favorite blanket with you. It will give them a feeling of home and safety. When you are a parent, you tend to take plenty of stuff with you even when you leave the house for an hour. If someone is making fun of you, let them. The most important thing is that you both feel comfortable and prepared for whatever may come your way. Number nine, let your toddler choose. According to WebMD medical reference, it is a good idea to let your child choose. We are not talking about making life-defining decisions like which house to move in or where to go on vacation. Start with little things, which will make him or her feel like they are in control. Control also means responsibility. They will, of course, not know it just now, but they will see how their choices affect what they do and how they feel. You can also go smart about it and direct your child where you want them to be. Just give them an alternative where both options are good. For example, you can wake them up in the morning and offer to choose if they want to get dressed first or brush their teeth. They will have to do both eventually, but this way they will feel like they are given some choice. Number eight, find out what's really bothering your kid. This is especially important for kids under two and a half, explains Jay Hoger, MD, a pediatrician from Rochester, Minnesota. At this age, they have a vocabulary of around 50 words and can't build a sentence out of them. But they still have cravings, thoughts, and wishes they can't just announce to you. 
You don't get the message, they don't get the answer. So what do they do? Throw a tantrum. Dr. Hoker offers the following solution. Try to create a sign language your kid will understand and remember. Teach them to show basic words like food, milk, sleep, and so on. It can work miracles. Number seven, distract your little one. You know how when you feel sad or something is bothering you, going out with friends or reading a book can help you set your mind on other things and it gets better? Your child will unlikely be getting over a breakup or job loss, but they have their own concerns, as we know. When you feel danger is coming, the baby's face is reddening, or they are giving other signs of a tantrum to follow, distract them. Let's go for a walk. How about we read your favorite book? These are all great ways to divert your child's fleeting attention. Even telling a little joke or making a funny face can help, says the experts from WebMD Medical Reference. Number six, become a good teacher for your kid. Do you remember your favorite teacher? Click like if you do. But how about you become that favorite teacher for your own kid? First of all, stop being angry at them for throwing tantrums. A great teacher won't be mad at you for not being good at physics, right? Second, teach your little one to overcome frustration. Show them that drawing, reading a book, or cuddling with their favorite toy can help. And make sure you teach them words are much better heard and understood than screaming. Michael Borba, EDD, author of Parents Do Make a Difference, explains that kids really want to do what is right, but sometimes they just don't know what that is. Explain your concerns and fears. Never yell in front of your kid. You could even make up an angry vocabulary for your child. That would be a list of words to express negative emotions. Number five, do not provoke tantrums. Why would you ever do it? Well, we are not saying you want that to happen, but you might trigger them. Your kid loves candy, but too much is bad for him or her? Then do not put it where they can see it. Why remind them of something you don't want them to have? Your kid doesn't like to be forcefully interrupted or feels uncomfortable about doing certain things? Give them warning before they have to do it and explain why it is necessary. The activity itself might not last long, but the tantrum and bad mood could last for hours. Number four, use positive words. Millions of people in 47 countries around the world love Super Nanny. This modern day Mary Poppins gives great parenting advice. One of the things she suggests is using positive advice instead of the negative. Every time you feel like screaming no, don't, and stop, don't do it. Don't jump on the couch could motivate your kid to do the opposite, especially if they are moody. Furniture is for sitting. You could go outside if you want to jump. Sounds much better and is unlikely to lead to conflict. Number three, keep a straight face. Introduce the new family rule to your kid. When he or she starts whining, you have the right not to respond to them. If that happens, keep your face straight. Jane Nelson, EDD, co-author of Positive Discipline for Preschoolers, recommends that you also introduce a warning sign, which will show you are going to stop listening. Pull your ear, shake your head, it can be anything you choose. Number two, give praise when the kid deserves it. We are not just talking about money here. Your baby will unlikely appreciate it anyway. Thank the kids for doing the right thing. Dr. Michelle Borba thinks it is a good idea to say things like, 
Thank you for using your normal voice, or my ears love that voice. Do not feel awkward about giving thanks for the most basic things. Motivate them to behave well in exchange for little treats. Tell your boy if he makes it through family dinner without whining, you will let him watch his favorite cartoon right after. Number 1. Be smart about the pocket money. All families are different and have different income. There is no universal answer for how much pocket money to give your kid in numbers. Rooster Money, a resource fully focused on how you should go about pocket money for your child, offers an allowance report. It says four-year-olds get an average of $2.82. This amount is slowly growing and doubles by the time the kid turns nine. An average 14-year-old gets $8.79 a week. Pocket money should allow the kid to save money for a special toy they like, buy gifts for their siblings and other family members, go out with their friends, buy a movie ticket, for example. If you give your child too much, they will find it hard to know the value of money. Your kids should know money is earned, not just granted, and it goes when it is spent. Some parents pay their kids for doing chores around the house. It is not always a good idea because they might believe the only reason to do something for their family's good is to be paid. Dr. Rebecca Chikor, author of The Calm and Happy Toddler and co-founder of Essential Parent Source, recommends giving your child tokens, not real money. You decide how much these tokens are worth. Saving them, kids can pay for meaningful experiences. Actually, there is no single rule for all families. Just like you have your own attitude to your money, you can decide about your kids' pocket money too. We hope you find these tips useful. If so, hit the like button and click subscribe to join us on the bright side.
So like most of you here, uh, I've been pretty excited about this technology and this data and everything that we can do these days to really make significant changes in people's lives. And so about a year ago, uh, my co-founder and I decided that we could reverse engineer this very mysterious thing called parenting and see what we could do. So today I'd like to share just some of the things we've learned over the last year about this mystery of parenting and kind of the home environment. What's important to remember is parenting is probably one of the most difficult tasks that most people will ever have to face and have in common. And it's hard. It's about balancing the now with the future while teaching the right habits and hoping that your kids grow up to be great. So what's amazing is, as I began speaking with more and more parents, I realized most of them are making it up as they go. And so anyone out there should feel normal. It's, yes, there's lots of resources, but turns out most parents will say, it'd be easy if I had a PhD or if I had time. The number one source of help for parents is this wonderful thing called Google. They go there and it delivers them their uh, answer. So what I questioned was, how can technology and data and all of these great things be repurposed to actually make a significant change in a significant amount of people's lives? Uh, it turns out most people have parents. It seemed like a great market to go after. So that's what we did. As I began to look at the day of a family's life, uh, I, I realized that there's a structure that exists, and there's these things that I like to call pivot points. There are points in the day where the routine takes a significant change, where the speed is different, something's different, and it turns out kids don't usually react well to these pivot points. For example, mealtime, or brushing teeth, or bedtime. Ask any parent how much they look forward to these moments in the day, and if they don't sort of cringe, they're not being completely honest with you. And it was just a really interesting finding for us. So we started to dig in deeper to this. We started holding these day-long interview sessions with multiple parents. Uh, and this was one of the boards I created uh, after talking to one family. The red indicates any pain point that he feels in his day. What was the coolest part, though, is I forgot to take this down in between interviews. And when I came back into the room, there was a dad standing there smiling ear to ear on the phone. I asked him, what's up? And he's like, we're normal. <laughs> it, it turns out that most people assume that these tasks, that these pivot points should be simple. They're not. They're incredibly chaotic. And what's neat is most people don't really care why. They just want to know it's normal. But what's neat is when you do figure out the why, the why is, in most cases, it's one of the only points in the day where kids have any say, where they can actually say no. Most of their day is about being ushered around, ushered along, saying yes all the time. So these are points where they get to really show their empowerment. So what we found out is parents need this. But I thought we could do something a little bit more, a little bit more engaging. But how do we do it? How do we define normal? How do we make it so that a family's life is easier? So, First of all, I asked, why normal? Do we really just want to be normal? What does that mean? Uh, it's important to understand it's, it's not about being like everyone else or even being average. But it's important knowing that you're not alone, that you're doing this and you're not screwing up. And that's the point that uh, people are really striving for. Take growth charts. They were one of the earliest measures of normal that doctors have been using for years. And it gave parents confidence that their kids should be growing. And so we want to see how can we take data, how can we take technology and continue to define normal for families. 
And that's what we did. We have kids using our platform, logging in every day, checking off tasks, uh, buying rewards, just having fun. And what's cool is it's pumping data into our system. So one, we can finally answer the age-old question that, yes, girls are better behaved than boys. And also, any parents with a nine-year-old at home, if they're not behaving great, expect that. It turns out across our user base, nine-year-olds have this tremendous drop in behavior. They don't want to do anything. And maybe it's the rebellious age, maybe it's not. But what's cool is we're starting to surface these points, and we can deliver this back in a relevant, timely manner for parents, so they start to feel a little more normal. So we start to look, top tasks. Turns out kids don't really hate brushing teeth that much. Laundry's okay, and homework's fine. But the uh, other end of the spectrum, cleaning the bedroom, putting away toys and washing dishes, are hated amongst most kids. So again, if you're a parent who finds yourself struggling at these points, you're normal. And it's so funny how, how much of an impact it has to be told that, yeah, you're normal. So I've been speaking about this from the parent's perspective. The secret is, I'm doing this for the kids. I have been all along. And all too often, we forget how awesome it is to be a kid. I mean, it's one of the coolest things that anyone will ever go through. Anything's possible. You're the coolest people around. So I wanted to really harness this and make sure that a kid's day was as awesome as it could be. So when I started thinking about these pivot points, it was, all right, so kids are clearly not happy either. How can we make it so that they're happy? Because my assumption was if they're happy, parents will be happy. So this is where I drew the link to gamification. Probably one of the ugliest words that you've heard today, but something with a pretty neat meaning. It means taking gaming loops and feedback loops and applying them in other places to make that activity more engaging. It can also be used in a second form of making data, which has been a big theme here today, making it accessible and usable to the average consumer, not someone who has studied data for years and years. So, uh, a great story around this that I have is when I was 10, my brother was six, and I feel so bad for him having been my younger brother, because I, when I was thirsty, I would propose the challenge, can you get me a drink of water in less than 25 seconds? <laughs> and it worked. Most of the time, he, I stopped counting. I never counted. He always won. He always felt great, and I got my water. <laughs> it, it worked, but it was, he felt great. He was getting this feedback loop. Uh, it then translated as I, as I got a little older, I started my first business, which was lawn cutting. I had some massive lawns with a very small lawnmower. So I decided, I'll time my laps. Let's see how fast I can go. Beauty was, I was cutting in, so every lap was default faster. But it was a hack that made me feel like I was making progress. It was a feedback loop. And this is what games give you, and that's why kids are so addicted to them. Everyone, after the 90s, knows how satisfying it is to be told instantly how great you are. Those bleeps, those blings, everything like that means a lot. Even if it doesn't mean anything outside of that context, it means something. So that's what we did to the home routine. We turned it from being, do this, to here's your challenges. Can you accomplish it? And it turns out kids love it. We even have parents who are setting up these tasks, and the kids are pushing the parents to go through the day and really take it on. And kids feel great. They want to be empowered. We forget how important it is for kids to be empowered, especially when most of their day is being told what to do. So the other version, and when it comes back to the parents, is this is a data. This is a lot of data, like we've seen earlier. It's not useful to most people. 
but we're seeing apps being repurposed around it, especially in the healthcare industry. And this is what we're looking to do in the parenting industry. Relevant data when you need it. So you know what you need to know now and you feel normal and great and confident. Because once we establish this confidence in parents and this fun with kids, the whole routine takes a whole new form and cool things can start to happen. In social media, there's this general rule called the 99-1 rule meaning that 1% of all content you consume is, uh, one, all the content is created by 1%. 9% uh, contribute, comment, everything like that, but most of the internet is lurking, reading it, searching in Google, never actually contributing to this conversation. What was really interesting is the parallels of this to the home, to the family. I always say that there's that 1%, and everyone knows that one mom or that one dad who just has the best ideas all the time. Like, let's turn grocery shopping into a game where you have to find all the purple vegetables. Like, who, that's great. And then they have their 9%, which is their social circle. They talk about it a little bit. But there's no way for that to be spread out to the 90%. And that was sort of a question is, now that we've established normal, now that we have this great home routine, how can we take and expose this great content to the 90%? And what happens when you start doing this? So my favorite story is, in the framework, we surface this great reward called ice cream for breakfast. And what's important to understand is it's so awesome because you're six years old. You're at the dinner or breakfast table, and all your siblings are eating toast. It's great. It's this really empowering moment. So it quickly rose through the top rewards through our system. And it's really neat seeing the assumptions being broken over and over again by parents. We have one family uh, in Vancouver, and for months it was TV, Dinnertime TV. She assumed that kids wanted to watch TV. She set up High Score House and she made TV a reward that they could buy, along with other things like craft night, baking. And eight weeks later, they haven't watched a single episode of TV. She's discovered her five-year-old loves baking and that her eight-year-old is a, you know, a really enthusiastic, all across the board, but not TV type of person. And that's really cool because all of a sudden now, that Friday night that was once spent in front of the TV is now a baking activity, and you have parents and kids coming together, and the cool part is we're powering it through the kids. So we're using the kids to help the parents continue to feel normal, but pushing them to have deeper moments throughout the day, and it feels great because it's a gaming feedback loop, everyone's confident, everyone's having fun, and that's what gets me really excited as we see more mobile and tablets and everything coming out. It's easier to provide these feedback loops and these engagement cycles to really transform people's lives. Um, I'm most excited. I really wish I was a kid these days. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's what we're working on. Uh, it's really fun. If you have any, thanks for coming out. It's been a great day, everyone.